Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on June 13th, 2022 from South Carolina Public Radio Studios here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. Like there might be some winners and losers. This episode features, as promised, a big, big, huge recap of key events and races as South Carolinians go to the polls on primary election day, June 14th, which is today if you're listening on Tuesday, also Flag Day. Our recap will take you from the Democratic gubernatorial drama of last week to the debate stage and the Palmetto Blue Dinner where Vice President Kamala Harris spoke. Then we'll head on down to Somerville on the first Congressional District campaign trail to catch up with Congresswoman Nancy Mace and former Governor and USUN Ambassador Nikki Haley. I also have a healthy helping of the SCO7 race for y'all as well. So a lot in this episode. And a programming note, SCETV and South Carolina Public Radio will bring you live primary night coverage starting at 8 p.m. until at least 10 p.m. today, June 14th. We'll be bringing you in-studio analysis from political science professors Gibbs Knotts of the College of Charleston and Scott Huffman of Winthrop University. And Felicia Eady and Victoria Hansen will be in the field bringing us live updates. We'll also be over the air, like I said, and streaming on our social media platforms as well. So check them out. So a lot of people are talking, but we want to hear you talk to us. That's why we have a voice mailbox set up, 803-563-7169. We are requiring now that all listeners call. (laughs) Okay, maybe not requiring, but really encouraging you to call. Leave us your name, where you're calling from, what's going on in your world. You know, we got these primaries coming up. We got gas skyrocketing still, inflation's not going down. Uh, It's summertime, vacations are being affected by all these price increases. Let us know how you're handling it, what you're doing differently. We'd love to hear from you guys, 803-563-7169. Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is low according to county-level data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. But there are some changes here. The entire PD, Horry County, as well as Richland, Lexington, and Sumter Counties, and the Charleston Tri-County area, along with Orangeburg, are experiencing medium levels of community spread of COVID-19. Dillon and Marlboro counties are seeing high levels of community spread. For the week ending June 4th, there were 8,913 cases of COVID-19 reported, and that's a slight 1% dip from the week before. During that same time, there were four deaths reported, and that's a 77% drop from the week before. As of June 4th, there are 266 South Carolinians hospitalized with COVID-19. That's up 53% week over week. 23 are in intensive care and 5 are on ventilators. ICU admissions were 15% lower week over week and ventilator use was steady. Currently, 55% of eligible South Carolinians are fully vaccinated. All right, big section here, folks. Get ready. I told you, I warned you, so enjoy it. I put a lot of time into this. I expect you to listen to it. So last week, the biggest fireworks of the Democratic gubernatorial race were set off. And no, no, they were not on the debate stage. They were on the internet at a little place called Twitter. That's right, following former 1st Congressional District Congressman Joe Cunningham's endorsement from House Minority Leader Todd Rutherford on Tuesday, 
State Senator Mia McLeod took to Twitter to blast Todd in a very direct and personal attack that really no one has seen in this state for many, many years. Now, after Rutherford's endorsement, Mia tweeted, Birds of a feather, good old Todd endorses Joe because I refuse to appoint his unqualified new wife as a Richmond County magistrate. Now he can go back to barely holding on as minority leader, funding his mom-in-law's nonprofit with state dollars, and using the state plane as his personal vehicle. Todd tweets back, Wow, the first thing you do is attack a black woman. My wife met all the qualifications to be a magistrate, passed the test twice, yet you echo the same attacks used by racists to undermine all black women as unqualified. Then Mia Quote retweets this, Next time, you probably shouldn't cheat with and marry the babysitter. How's that for disrespecting black women? And since you know so much about Mia, maybe you can tell the people of SC why you were MIA when the SC GOP gerrymandered your House members out of their own districts. To which Todd replied, There you go again, attacking black women. That's a lie and you know it. Since you're talking about my ex-wife, why didn't you support her making history as the first black woman to be elected Richland County Coroner? You don't stand up for black women. You only stand up for yourself. So it was some hot tea being spilled early in the week. And uh, that was pretty much the vibe for the first part of the week in the political world of South Carolina, which led everyone to salivate over what could be coming during our hour-long debate Friday evening with the Post and Courier. McLeod, Cunningham, and Carlton Boyd, a Columbia healthcare advocate, were all in studio with me and Felicia Eady and Nick Reynolds. And well, it was completely tame. And many even said boring. Me, I say informational. I mean, we just asked the questions. They could have spiced it up if they wanted to, but in a world where we're programmed to expect drama 24-7, a civil debate is what I'm here for. But none of the candidates ever named each other in their one-minute responses, and thus, no one ever asked for or got a rebuttal. I was willing, folks. Willing and ready. Now, I let off with a question about suspending the state's 28-cent-a-gallon gas tax once the 2017 increase is fully phased in on July 1st, despite transportation officials' objections to suspending it. Here's part of what Cunningham and McLeod said. But the truth is, none of those construction projects will be held back or delayed because South Carolina has so much money coming in through the bipartisan infrastructure bill and the American Rescue Plan. But listen, folks, I mean, people are hurting, and the rising price of gas is crushing people at the pumps. And they need some, some, some form of relief. And we proposed this idea late last year. And it would save, you know, folks on average $5 a tank or more. And if there's something we can do to provide a relief to South Carolinians, even short-term relief, we should do that. And I don't care if it's a Democratic or Republican idea because it's being done in states across the country. So, yes, we should temporary, temporarily suspend the gas tax, because that money will be replenished. I introduced legislation earlier this year when gas prices started to rise that would have a more meaningful and more significant impact for uh, South Carolinians. It's a gas rebate, uh, and it would uh, allow South Carolinians to, have, to, to get much more uh, money back uh, as opposed to a gas tax suspension. Uh, and I just think that that is, that is the way to go. When gas rises above $4 an hour, uh, the gas rebate would kick in for families who need it most. With South Carolina ranking ninth worst when it comes to the percentage of residents killed by gunfire and fifth in the nation for mass shootings so far this year, we wanted to know what policies they would support to curb this violence. We don't even have to reinvent the wheel to address 
gun violence in South Carolina. We can look at uh, states like Hawaii. Uh, they have a mandatory 14-day waiting period. Um, they also um, require a gun buyer to be at least 21 years old. There are things that we can do. We can expand background checks here in South Carolina and wait until the background check clears before a gun can be purchased. We can also make sure that uh, those who carry guns legally uh, have to carry liability insurance so that the rash of break-ins and the, the higher incidence of gun violence that we're seeing will be curbed and, and uh, decreased by that. I, I personally believe that AR-15s and other semi-automatic rifles should not be in the hands of civilians. They are weapons of war. They are not, uh, they should not be sold uh, to civilians. And in Congress, that's why I work to expand background checks and close the Charleston loophole. And I got both of those through with bipartisan support by bringing people together. Compare that to Governor McMaster. You know, his solution is to do nothing. He's a do-nothing governor because he's a governor of the past. We need a governor of the future. But we can't do any of the things that we want to do. Expand background checks, close the Charleston loophole, unless we win in November. As for what they would do to improve the health outcomes for mothers and children of unwanted pregnancies, should the U.S. Supreme Court overturn Roe as expected and the state's six-week abortion law takes effect, well, there weren't many details here. Take a listen. I'm the only candidate in this race who has a uterus. Uh, I'm the only candidate in this race who has given birth. I'm, I'm the only candidate in this race who has been on the front lines of this fight for years. And I, as governor, I get to set the tone and the priorities of our state in addition to having veto power. So I will exercise everything, every power I have to stop this senselessness uh, that the Republican, this Republican governor and Republican controlled legislature has been inflicting on uh, women and girls across South Carolina. I could use my veto pen to veto legislation that tries to rip away a woman's right. And the fact is that I trust women to make their own health care decisions. And if and when Roe v. Wade is overturned, which it seems like it is, then Governor McMaster has told everyone that he wants to ban all abortions and have no exceptions for rape, incest, or life of the mother. That's the reality here. And we're on the verge as a state. Of, we're poised for our daughters to have fewer rights than their mothers and their grandmothers. Those rights are slipping through our very own fingers. And the only thing that can stop that is my veto pen. Now you can find the entire debate on youtube.com slash South Carolina ETV. I know I just gave you about four minutes there. There's a lot more of that hour-long debate. And a quick cash update on the gubernatorial Democratic race. From April 1st through May 25th, Cunningham raised $124,000, leaving him with $322,000 on hand going into the primary. From April 1st through May 18th, McLeod raised $44,000, spent $89,000, and had $67,000 on hand. Boyd hasn't filed any campaign disclosure reports. Now, right after the debate, the candidates and media scurried from ETV over to the Columbia Convention Center to hear Vice President Kamala Harris deliver the keynote address at the Democratic Party's Blue Palmetto Dinner fundraiser. Harris last visited the state in June 2021 to tout the COVID-19 vaccine, but she recalled a detail from her run for president and a stop in Charleston in 2019 ahead of Thanksgiving. This was shortly before she left the race in December. 
of the many things that I admire, whether you are debating mustard versus vinegar, <laughs> or bragging about how the sweetest corn comes from your neighbor's farm, you are serious about your food. <laughs> and so with that, I'm gonna share with you a real quick story and then I'm gonna get on to my, my comments. So I was here of the many visits, one of those visits was in uh, late November of 2019. And I had just finished an event about the importance of mental health. Um, we were in Goose Creek, and I was there with Jay Moore and Charlemagne the God. And, um, and I was about to head out of town to meet my family um, and cook for Thanksgiving. Uh, I won't mention where I was going, but where I was going, I knew I was not going to be able to find the kind of greens there that I could get here. And so, yes. That was me, in my suit and heels, walking through Charleston International Airport, carrying two big plastic bags full of fresh South Carolina collard greens. <laughs> it's a true story. And yes, as I walked on the plane, there were a few people who gave me the look and the nod. <laughs> Harris brought a message from President Joe Biden, whom she had just left in California at the Ninth Summit of the Americas, which began the day before. And as I was leaving, Joe asked me to pass on a message. And the message is, from both of us, South Carolina, we see you. We see. We see how the power of South Carolina Democrats is felt all over our nation. We see how your state party leaders rise up to become national party leaders from the dear and late Don Fowler to Jamie Harrison. We see, we see how South Carolina brings critical representation to the presidential nominating process, and we see the great Jim Clyburn, his leadership in Washington, D.C. And we see, and we see how South Carolina Democrats set President Joe Biden and me on a path to the White House. The biggest applause line of the night from the 500-plus crowd was about assault weapons and the role they play in mass shootings. We fight for a future where all people can live without fear because no 86-year-old grandmother should be afraid to go to the grocery store. No 41-year-old pastor should worry about welcoming a stranger to Bible study. No nine-year-old child should fear for her safety at school. And no 18-year-old should be able to buy a weapon of war. Congressman Jim Clyburn hugged Harris on stage following her remarks and gave words of thanks as well. That's one of those perks you get when you help deliver a key early voting state for the incumbent president and Veep. Just saying that to the list. The dinner honored former South Carolina governor and Bill Clinton's Secretary of Education, Dick Riley, as well. 
Okay, we covered two big Democratic events from Friday. So now let's jump to Sunday, when I scooted down Interstate 26 with AP reporter Meg Kennard to catch up with Congresswoman Nancy Mace, who held an event with more than 75 people at the Hall's Chop House in Somerville. One of those people also happened to be former governor and USUN ambassador Nikki Haley, who first backed Mace in 2020 and was there for this final push with just two days before Election Day. The two were on a small stage in the covered outdoor patio area of the restaurant with a sound system that didn't have a molt box. So enjoy this audio, dear listener, of Ambassador Haley hyping up Mace for the crowd. She understands the value of a dollar, and she understands it in a time where families are spending $6,000 at least more a year than they have been. Do you know when Michael and I were raising our kids, if it was $6,000 more a year, you know where we got that money from? A credit card. A credit card. And interest rates are going up. That's what's happening to American families. We need somebody that understands the value of a dollar. She's fought for tax cuts. She's fought against wasteless spending. She has fought for your dollar every day. She's fought for my dollar because she's my congressional member. That's why we need Nancy Mace back in Congress. And the one thing I will tell you that's hurting us more than anything else is this national self-loathing that we're watching happen over this country. The idea that they're saying that America's bad, that America's racist. Do you think America's racist? Would I, the first female, first minority governor of South Carolina, be standing here if America was racist? We wouldn't. America's the best country in the world. And when I was at the United Nations, I can tell you, when America spoke, the world listened. What we did, the world wanted. Who we are, the world wanted to be. I have to tell you, as we're watching this war take place in Ukraine, I'm a little bit jealous of the Ukrainians. You know why? Look at the patriotism they have. We used to have that. That used to be us. We used to say we'd do anything to fight for this country. We need that passion again. We need that patriotism again. This country is worth it. We're going to be okay because we have an amazing ability to self-correct. But wake up, America. Wake up, South Carolina. We could lose it. Now, that last minute or so of that clip sounded a bit like a campaign speech, but not for Mays. Anyhow, that's 2024, I think. You may recall that the last time the two had a public hang was the day before former President Donald Trump went to Florence to back Mace's challenger, Katie Arrington. But back in March, Haley helped raise some $300,000 for Mace. And since then, some of Haley's biggest donors for her PAC have been donating to Mace as well. For Mace, who spoke with the media inside after the event, she said for her, it's who's with her in the final stretch that matters the most. Nikki Haley is wildly popular in the Low Country, and um, having her leadership, her friendship, her support at this juncture in the race is enormous meaning for voters in the first congressional district. And uh, she's given—I mean, she's just been an awesome friend to me, particularly on issues both uh, militarily and with our veterans. She's been very good and strong on those issues. But 
she's helping us bring it home in the last few hours of the race. My opponent has no one. We just had the mayor of Somerville here who endorsed my campaign this week. We just had one of the state senators from Berkeley County. We had other elected officials right here in the crowd, other mayors. I'm the only candidate in this race who's never threatened any of our coastal mayors. I'm the only candidate in this race who's not bribed anybody to drop out. And so when you see that kind of level of support, particularly coming at the end, my opponent has nobody. And um, all she has is a bed of lies she's been telling for weeks now. And we're working really hard to bring it home. And I expect us to win by double digits on Tuesday night. Haley was also with Mays on Monday for a similar event in Hilton Head. Arrington, it's worth noting, was campaigning Friday with 2nd Congressional District Representative Joe Wilson. Through May 25th, Arrington has raised $909,000. $525,000 of that was a loan. She had $606,000 on hand two weeks before primary day. Mace raised $4.1 million as of May 25th and had $1.4 million on hand. Whoever wins Tuesday will face the Democratic nominee, Low Country pediatrician Annie Andrews, this November. But yes, the Nancy and Nikki political partnership provides a strong foundation for the future of both of them, especially Haley, should Trump decide not to run in 2024, and she does, which is the only scenario in which she said she would run in 2024. But let's focus on one race at a time, folks. And before we jump to the 7th Congressional District, let's take a break. Get some music in here, huh? And welcome back to the politics section. Now, further up the coast from Charleston is the 7th Congressional District. It encompasses all of Georgetown and Horry counties and over through the PD, including parts of Florence County and all of Chesterfield, Dillon, Darlington, Marion, and Marble counties. It's a fascinating district, which I lived in for four years from 2011 through 2015 while I reported at the Florence Morning News. And it's also a district that Republican Tom Rice has represented since it was created in 2012 following the 2010 census. Now, I put together a 25-minute long piece on this that I highly recommend if you want to understand the race and district better. But first, let's start off with part of what Rice told me the day after he voted to impeach President Donald Trump for inciting an insurrection on January 6, 2021. I was against them bringing up impeachment. What I want to do is try to bind the wounds of the country. And I would have preferred if they had allowed his last few days in office to run out without continuing this controversy. But if I have to vote yes or no, if they put the vote in front of me, the events of last Wednesday and his behavior in the week since, in my mind, is completely inexcusable and a complete abdication of leadership. Since that vote, Rice has been under fire from the party, voters in his district, and Trump. He is being challenged by six Republicans, including State Representative Russell Fry, who received Trump's critical endorsement, which has helped separate him from the rest of the pack. Here is Trump talking about Rice back in March. Right here in the 7th Congressional District, Tom Rice, a disaster. He's respected by no one. He's laughed at in Washington. He was never thought highly of in Washington. 
And he was just censured by your great South Carolina GOP. Tom Rice joined the Democrats' deranged impeachment witch hunt hoax. It's all turned out to be a hoax. It's all turned out now to be a hoax. He parroted their lies. He gave aid and comfort to their weaponization of the national security state against the domestic political opponents. He voted for the unselect committee of highly partisan politicians that are running this horrible witch hunt in Washington. Fry said Rice, who has helped bring jobs to the diverse economic district with manufacturing and a booming tourism industry, has not done enough for the district and turned his back on the people when he voted to impeach Trump. Fry has been representing the 106th district in the statehouse since 2015 with a focus on combating the opioid epidemic. Here he is speaking to a group of about 25 people in a restaurant in Marion recently. And I watched what he said, and I watched him continue to double and triple down on it. And I thought to myself, he has lost his way. He has forgotten who he represents. He has forgotten, and people, of course, we all heard it, you guys were all saying it. We were all saying the same thing. And so I watched this, and I said, you know what, you've lost your way, you're not representing your constituents, you're not voting for your constituents, you're voting for yourself, and it's time to come home. It is time to come home to Tom Rice. And so people said at the very beginning, they said, don't do this, you've got a great legislative career ahead of you. You're the chief whip, you, who knows what will happen in a few years, maybe you could be speaker one day. And I said, you know what, if I go down and I never serve another day in public life, I'm going to give this guy the fight of his life. Many people continue to remind folks that there is more to Rice than his one career-defining vote. I mean, he supported a lot of Trump policies and voted with him upwards of 90% of the time. Rice lowered poverty in some of the poorest counties in the state, and he has a high position on the House Budget Committee that former House Speaker Paul Ryan focused on in a recent luncheon in Florence. Uh, I don't do a lot of these events anymore. Um, as Tom mentioned, there are beers and doers in Congress, or I'd call them show horses and workhorses. I am here because this man is a workhorse. I am here because Tom Rice is a loyal man. He is loyal to his constituents. He is loyal to his conscience. He is loyal to our founding principles. He's loyal to the Constitution, which every two years when you get elected to Congress, you swear an oath to uphold. That's why I'm here, because Tom Rice is a man worth fighting for, because he's busting his butt to fight for all of you. The Ways and Means Committee is not just the most important committee in Congress, it's the most powerful committee in Congress. It is in charge of 100% of all federal revenues and three-fifths of all federal spending. From retirement to health care to welfare to the tax code, it is an extremely important committee. And you have a senior member of the committee who I believe we're going to get the majority, who will be a subcommittee chair in that committee, um, probably overseeing our tax system. For an overall pulse check on this race, I spoke with an old friend of mine, former Lieutenant Governor Ken Ard, who hosts Wake Up Carolina on 95.3 FM in Florence. Back when I was a city-county reporter in the city, I would regularly appear on his talk show. And there's no doubt Ken, who also moderated the only debate in the district, understands voters, well, at least in the PD, I should say, and he does dish some real talk. Take a listen. One week from now, you folks in the 7th Congressional District We'll go to the poll. I mean, we've got narratives. We've got agendas. We've got perspectives. We've got 
you know, political realities and political, uh, you know, uh, opinions. And I mean, all this goes into the mash that makes up a campaign and an election. And, and I just look at the math and I've said this and I'll say it again. I've kept up fairly frequently with the math. Um, some friends of the uh, consulting slash lobbying slash um, polling business. And I just looked at the approval ratings of Trump and they're, I mean, they're flatlined, but you know what they aren't Rev? They aren't flatlined at 50. They aren't flatlined at 60 or 70. These approval ratings are in the mid-80s. The lowest I've seen Trump's approval in Horry County is 83%. The highest I've seen is 89%. So how do, you, how do you convince a voter in a Republican primary to cast a ballot in your name when you voted to impeach a guy who has a roughly 90% or at least in the mid-80s percent approval rating in Horry County? That's the math of this campaign. This is not a matchup between Russell Fry and Tom Rice. This is not a matchup between Ken Richards and Barbara Arthur, who will be with us in about, what, 40 minutes from now? Uh, this is a campaign about Tom Rice versus uh, a vote he took, and that is the vote to impeach President Donald Trump. The section is coming to an end, folks. I know you're like, finally, thank God. But if you want to watch the rest of that segment, you can see it again on our YouTube page, youtube.com slash South Carolina ETV. And just a little money update for this race. Rice this cycle has raised $1.8 million and spent $1.6 million. And as of May 25th, had $1.3 million on hand. It's money he's had in that account for a while. Now also remember, this sounds familiar, first Congressional District Republican Mark Sanford still had $1.3 million in the bank when he lost his primary in 2018 to Katie Arrington. She went on to narrowly lose to Cunningham in that general election in November. Now, Russell Fry has raised $767,000 for his bid against Rice and had $203,000 on hand two weeks from primary day. Welcome to the wind down section, our little break from the news. We talk about life during the pandemic and we want to hear your stories as well. I told you at the top, I want to hear about how you guys are dealing with the economy right now, with the gas prices still going up, inflation still high. And of course, in summertime, that means travel, possibly, question mark. And mm -hmm. June 14th, it's flag day. But more it's importantly, day, you know, <laughs> it's primary day. So you can tell us what you think about the state of politics in South Carolina right now. 803-563-7169. You can leave your name, but you know, you don't have to if you don't want to. Uh, we like mystery. And where are you calling from? A little message, one to three minutes. Now, I don't think we're going to play a voicemail, T, because we remember we had a big old episode, and I appreciate everyone that, who's yeah, made that, it this far. There, there, there's no more meat left on that bone, but it was meaty to start. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we, we, we got to get through this quick, you know? So And we gave such a long wind down for the weekend, right? So yes. people are sick of us. So, Our brains. so let's get through this quick. Gavin, is there something you wanted to talk about very quickly? Yes. Um, so, I like I said in the, in the, like in the pod, that I was down in Somerville, uh, with Met Kennard, we were covering that Haley event. And, you know, I covered the governor when I was at the Post and Courier Statehouse Bureau from 2015 sure. through 2016. So I, my, one of my beats was covering Haley and the primary race, the governorship, blah, 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 always every day dealing with her and her people. So one of her aides is still with her. And I saw her when they were up front doing photos with, with different people that were there. And mm -hmm. it was towards the end of the line, so I was getting video of people doing stuff. And then uh, her aide, Cheney, turned around and was like, oh, well, look who it is. I was like, yeah, baby, what's going on? <laughs> They'll let anyone in here. <laughs> and, uh, and there was also a lull in the crowd. And Haley, the ambassador, saw like Cheney talking to me. And then all of a sudden kinda, it kind of clicked that she like recognized me. 
Yeah, she you're someone my I name, recognize. But like, you know, she recognized, and she's like, oh my gosh, like, you haven't aged at all, which you know me. I mean, that's probably mm-hmm. the easiest way to compliment me. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, like, without missing a beat, I just said, well, Botox helps a lot. And then, of course, just everyone just it just dropped that mic. You 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 were the best one there, is what I, you're saying. I nailed it. And I was like, I mean, and you know, they probably all have Botox in their face, too. So it's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I get it. There's nothing oh, wrong yeah. with that, folks. I, I frown a lot. And, you know, I'm, bunch, I'm much nicer and happier when I'm not frowning. You so? you have tons of fr- I I always say Gavin why are you frowning I can't and frown there's, there's it's it's a myriad reasons Gavin loves that I say it like that I, um I would wake up frowning I don't know why mm-hmm. but angry in my sleep but with cosmetic Botox <laughs> ask your you're, doctor you're you can relax sleeper. those muscles mm-hmm. and those crow's sure, feet yeah. look at Jay Jackson just, just I don't a few a few little little pokes little pokes here and there and every and you six could look months as good as Gavin. I'm happy I'm happy on the outside. Okay. So, yeah, that well, was uh, it was good. It was a nice little moment there. I'm very happy to be home, everyone. Yes, so I am welcome back, in back AT. Oh, my goodness. And I and I got to say, it was a very close call. <laughs> I, I ran out of my bar of soap the day before I had to oh, leave. Oh, my God. So good literally the worst. The whole bar. I was I was using this whole bar, and I was using the tiny part that normally you would just let go because mm. I was like, I got I got to make this stretch, you know what for I mean? Sure. But I did I did have to bite the bullet and and buy soap for the last day, which, oh, which, which come really on. really pissed me off. But <laughs> I am home. Go I'm get happy. some dish I'm soap. in a different room right now. If I sound different, and I apologize for that. Okay, we're gonna let it slide. But, uh, anyway, uh, thank you for listening. I hope you I hope you enjoyed Gavin's meaty meaty politics. So stew. meaty. Okay, I mean, folks. It, did it, you enjoy that debate? How about that debate? Did you guys watch that debate? Mm-hmm. Five o'clock on mm-hmm. Friday. I mean, everyone was. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, AT, I'm glad you're back. We are happy to have you back. Things will get back to normal. Um, I also love bar soap. Huge bar soap fan here. Huge bar soap guys in the, on this pod. Anyway, people, yes. have a great flag day. Happy may flag the, day, may, folks. May the 14th, June the 14th be with you. <laughs> may the flag day be with you. May the flag day be with you. And Gavin, hit them with those outros. From all of us here at the South Carolina Lead, happy flag day. <laughs> but um, we look forward to hearing from you guys. We love hearing from you. 803-563-7169. Drop us a line. And you can also show us your appreciation by leaving us a review on iTunes, just as great as a voicemail. Stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina Lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. calling children hey dylan marlboro get over here get over here don't you dare oh man those are kids names dylan marlboro dylan and marlboro marlboro don't you dare don't you dare marlboro he loves smoking we just love him smoke we just love go